So I have to say, before this past week, I had not heard of an inverted yield curve. (laughs) But as you know, it prompted the stock market on Wednesday to drop 800 points, made economists and investors run their hands through their hair. So what is it exactly? What is an inverted yield curve? As one article put it, longer-term bonds typically offer higher returns than shorter-term bonds. And indeed, inverted yield curve occurs when the, when the interest rates on short-term bonds are higher than the ones on long-term bonds. For example, the yield on a 10-year treasury bond just dropped below the two-year treasury, First time that's happened since 2007. And we all know what was happening around 2007, 2008. So what that means basically is people are concerned about the near-term future and are therefore piling their assets into the long-term future in panic. Which led me to think this week As we live our days, we have before us really two horizons. There is the short-term horizon of, say, the the sun coming up tomorrow, and then there is the the long-term horizon, the calendar we have in our briefcase, on our kitchen wall, or we maintain on our phones. But that horizon isn't tangible it isn't as real as the short-term horizon of the sun coming up at 6.50 this morning over Reed's Lake. And this week, I thought, the, the course and the altitude and attitude of our lives are determined in many ways by how we approach those two horizons, the short-term horizon and our long-term horizon. Which brings us to two fascinating questions. How do we thoughtfully and effectively and theologically live between those two horizons? And as people of faith, when we turn to the Bible, what does it teach us in how to live between a short-term horizon and a long-term horizon? In July and August, we have drawn our attention in worship to the theme of the power of parables. And what is a parable? Well, noted Christian author Malcolm Muggeridge once suggested that that every happening, whether great or, or small, is a parable through which God speaks to us. And, and the art of life is to hear its message. Meaning the universe and all that surrounds us, all that was created by God, is designed to teach us how to to live our lives and the messages are around us. The Stoics once taught, look to nature and you will learn how to live. But those messages don't necessarily come with instruction. In fact, in the Hebrew scriptures, the word for parable is is mashal, which means a a riddle. 
Meaning a parable is also a message that asks us to figure it out. We see that, for example, in the Hebrew scriptures when God sends the prophet Nathan to King David to tell him a story about a rich man, a poor man, and a lamb. At the end of that parable, King David says, I have sinned against the Lord. In the New Testament, parables comprise about a third of Jesus' teachings. And biblical scholars have discerned they they can be grouped into major themes. One of the most common themes is this idea that that large things come from small things and the universe was created to grow. We see that in the parable of the mustard seed this morning and also in our parable where Jesus says these words. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or whether he gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain first, the stalk, and then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. So what's the meaning? What's the message? What's the riddle of this parable? Author Diane Deller once wrote these words. She said, Timing is essential in the garden of our lives. There are seasons and there are cycles in in everything that we do. Wisdom comes when we recognize those cycles. Otherwise, we can pick the fruit before it's ripe, on impulse. Or we can also wait too long to harvest and miss it. Do you believe that's true? Stephen Covey, author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, once said he believed that the law of the farm governs all areas of our lives, from our relationships, as we relate to friends and siblings, partners and spouses. It applies to how we interact at, at work. It applies to our spiritual life. And in many ways, that law is at the heart of Jesus' parable here. Because what Jesus seems to be teaching is at the heart of the universe, within the deepest pulse of this gift we call life, is a cycle. A cycle that begins with a seed and ends with a harvest. Which brings us back to Diane Deller's words. Timing is essential in the gardens of our lives. There are seasons and there are cycles to everything we do. Wisdom comes when we recognize those. So we don't pick the fruit before it's too ripe or we miss the harvest. 
I wonder this morning, in the garden of your own life, have you ever picked fruit before it was ripe? You acted on impulse. You rushed things. You were impatient. You didn't let the pasta boil for the whole 11 minutes. And what resulted was a little too al dente. You picked the tomato on the vine before it was that perfect, deep, red, glorious color. Donald Dell was a former tennis player and started a sports agency where he managed tennis players like Jimmy Connors and later stars like Michael Jordan. He wrote a book, summed up his philosophy. The book's title was, Never Make the First Offer. Meaning sometimes life puts you in situations where you need to hold your cards tight to be successful. You don't want to rush. You want to wait for the right moment. Have you ever rushed into something? A relationship, a business deal? You, you pull the pot off the stove too soon. You pick the tomato too soon. You made the first offer. On the other hand, I wonder if you ever waited too long to harvest something in your life. You procrastinated. You didn't pop the question. You left the pot on the stove too long. You didn't make the offer at all. David White is a poet I enjoy. He consults with Fortune 500 companies in his book, Crossing the Unknown, he tells the story of a time when he felt adrift and weary. He went to see Brother David. Brother David, White began, tell me how to feel better. Brother David looked at me, writes White, and said, you are so tired because a good half of what you do has nothing to do with your gift. And so you are only half here. And half here will kill you over time. You need something to which you can give your, your full self. You know what it is. And I don't have to tell you. Brother David, writes White, knew I wanted to work on being a poet. So you must do something heartfelt said Brother David. You have ripened. You are waiting to be brought in. Your weariness is a form of inner fermentation. You are beginning ever so slowly, and he hesitated, to rot on the vine. Have you ever felt that way? that the harvest was passing you by, and with that passing, with that, with that slipping away, was emerging a type of anxiety, a type of fatigue, a sense that you might have waited too long. This is what the kingdom of God is like, says Jesus. A man scattered seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. 
All by itself, the soil produces a grain and a stalk and a head and a kernel. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. So what is Jesus saying? What is the riddle? What is the message? Perhaps it is something as simple and profound as this. Sometimes we're going to pick the fruit too early. Sometimes you and I are going to make the first offer and and rush into something. And yes, sometimes we're going to wait too long to, to make our move. But the good news in Jesus' parable, the spiritual truth here, is we don't get one shot at a harvest. Our lives the law of the farm, they were created to grow. All you and I need to do is choose to scatter the seed. Meaning, yes, there is a a short-term horizon, and yes, in that time frame, we can make a mistake, we we can mess up. But the universe, the world, the farm, and even our, our, our lives as children of God exists as Jesus in a long-term horizon. So don't be anxious. Don't invert your yield curve. But rather, choose to scatter the seed again and again and again. And trust by God's grace, it will grow. Some harvests will be bountiful, some will be meager, some might even fail. That's beyond our control. What is in control is the seed we hold in our hand and what we choose to do with it. The seed of a new friendship, the seed of a new business idea. The seed of a new habit, the the seed of happiness, the seed of a dream deep inside our soul, even the seed of faith. And so I wonder this morning, is there something that you would like to grow in your life this fall? Something you would like to, to harvest? The fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark reveals that first step we need to take to make that happen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.